Welcome to Re-Engage, where we return to a sci-fi series we all have a pretty strong connection to, Star Trek The Next Generation. It debuted in 1987, when we were all very young, and now in 2020, we re-engage with the series one episode at a time and reconsider Star Trek from a new perspective as grown-up fans. But before we start talking about the third episode, Code of Honor, Let's let our listeners know a little bit about uh, this crew of cultural bridge officers on this particular voyage. Eric, let's start with you. Absolutely. I'm a cultural bridge officer. I know. You like that? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I do. It feels very love boat, and I'm here for it. uh, I'm Eric. Like all of these people, I am of a certain age, meaning Generation X, uh, which I always thought was people older than us until someone said, no, of course, you're Generation X, so that's what we are. I'm an actor and fight director. I talk on this a lot about physical comedy and stage combat, and I can't wait to get to this really weird-ass episode. It is indeed. Uh, Kate. Hello. Hi. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. Kate Yeager. I am an actor and educator, improviser, and lover of pop culture. So I love coming to these things uh, as that pop culture lover and also as an unironic lover of Wesley Crusher. And I'll stand by that. I will. And this episode is good for him, if not bad for everyone else. So his green. His green sweater is fantastic. Yeah. It gets <laughs> high praise <laughs> from all the women in my, my household as well. <laughs> Jimmy, welcome. Thank you, sir. I'm Jimmy G. I'm a one-time actor, now a corporate entertainer here in Seattle, Washington. And uh, I was an actor long ago, and I bring to the podcast my uh, opinions about what the cast members are doing acting-wise and uh, my loathing for the uh, stardom of a young Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Excellent. I am Greg Tito, and I am taking us through this little journey. Uh, uh, I'm a corporate PR person, but mostly just a lover of sci-fi and excited to get into talking about Star Trek Next Generation uh, Episode 3. And for this episode, we have a guest, our first guest star Woo! coming on oh, Reengage. Yeah! Let's welcome Cicero Holmes. Hi, Cicero. Hey, guys. Wow. Hi, that's right. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, and that entrance. I, you know, I really have to live up to that. I, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm honored to be your first guest. But uh, hey, guys, I am Cicero Holmes. I am a uh, former actor, just a corporate guy, now a voiceover artist and, and game player. Uh, and I, what I bring to the podcast is another podcast where I am also going to shamelessly plug, which is called Discovery Debrief. Yeah. Uh, it is a podcast about the latest Treks into the world of Trek, Star Trek Discovery, Lower Decks, uh, uh, let's see, Star Trek Picard. There's so many. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> 31, level section 31, and then Strange New Worlds, and the, the thing that... Uh, Kate Mulgrew is going to be on now on Nickelodeon. And oh, isn't that amazing? So excited. Uh, I didn't yeah, hear so, about that. Right. So that like it's there yeah. is there We're is uh, role. yeah there is yeah Captain Janeway is coming back on Star Trek uh, in on uh, I forget I think it's called Legacy or something I don't know Star Trek colon something 
Um, but I am, <laughs> I am clans, right. calling clans right. at this point. I am very happy to be here to talk about uh, a, um, a very, very unique episode of Star Ooh, Trek. I like that, <laughs> so that word choice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a little bit before. I looked it up. It's Prodigy, if it was going to be in everybody else's oh, mind oh, holes all night. Go. So prodigy yes. it is. The the Firestarter prod, prodigy, that prodigy. Yes, yeah. that one. I hope. Yeah. No, the, the one that gets you online. Uh, oh right, yes. that's the crossover. The AOL. I, didn't, I didn't know I needed. Right. Right. prodigy. Right. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, excellent. Well, uh, we talked about this in the first episode that we recorded for for reengage about how it was for us uh, during the premiere of uh, the Next Generation in 1987. It was. Uh, taking us back how, how old were you when it uh premiered Cicero? uh yes i was um older old enough to watch tv i was 11 uh when when uh yeah when that when that broadcast um which you know allows a lot of people to do a lot of math um. <laughs> <laughs> and figure out our true ages yeah exactly. now um, we know our true names and they begin yeah, summoned right now. right but there but it was it was actually a very big deal in my household um you know my family was were big sci-fi people and and um you know for long periods of time sci-fi was was or, or science and astronomy huge in my household um i went to space camp uh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, it was, no. it was amazing, Fantastic. amazing, parents, listen, if you have the opportunity to send your kids to space camp, please send your kids to space camp. Sister, was it like the one down in Alabama? Like no, no, I was, space camp? I was in Cape Canaveral. Went to Cape Canaveral. That sounds so pretty big. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the dream of everyone who was our oh age. Oh my gosh! Right? We were what twelve yeah. when Space Camp came yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on! Exactly. Like, we all wanted that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Leah Thompson. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, you know. So I mean, so the the premiere of uh, a new Star Trek was a big deal in my household, and uh, we all sat down and watched. Um, encounter at Farpoint. Um, and then only much like, much like church around the same time. Um, I was the only one who kept following up with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, the enterprise was your yes. church. Yes. The enterprise was my church. I lived long and I prospered. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, let's get into talking about code of honor episode three. Uh, sorry. Yes. Episode three. Uh, it's the third basic episode. We talked about this before, but we'll just stick with uh, the way it's labeled, uh, which is actually episode four, right? which, which is odd because I never really think of uh, Farpoint as two episodes. All right, so we can all agree it's episode five. <laughs> and move on from there. It's episode 666, and it is uh, <laughs> Stardate 41235.25. It debuted on October 12th, 1987. Had a Nielsen rating of 9.5, which was lower than uh, Naked Now's 11.5. Um, and in the world, there was a lot going on, especially here in the United States. Uh, uh, October 10th, Reverend Jesse Jackson launched his second campaign for president, uh, which was, I remember being a big deal. It was like, oh, right, yes. this is going to happen uh, with the 1988 election coming up soon. 
That's 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 amazing. I remember my parents uh, sending me down to watch that because it was an historic moment. Yeah, I um, I also remember my parents. You know, obviously, is is a big deal. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, you know Jesse Jesse Jackson, great civil rights leader, um, and uh, you know him running for president was a big deal. We in my household, we we carried no illusions that he would even uh, have a chance at winning. Um, but uh, we were happy that he had a seat at the table. So, like, that was cool. Yeah. You know, that was progress. I was I was too young to really participate other than just watching it all happen. And I do, it was a, a moment I remembered for sure. One I did not remember and probably, uh, you know, not many listeners maybe did, but it's something that started, which was, uh, it was the first national coming out day uh, which was held as part of a march for gay rights and lesbian rights uh, on Washington D.C. So it was, in some ways, a beginning of oh, of, a, of a huge, you know, what we think of now as like the Pride movement, right. um, and its its national prominence, uh, which was which was really big. Um, and then I, soon after this episode was released, uh, Baby Jessica fell in a well <gasps> in Texas. Baby Jessica. Right. I just went through the baby Jessica thing with Krista uh, like a month ago because she was born a few years after this. And she had like because they still mention baby Jessica in the well in just about every sitcom at some point. Like somebody talks about, oh, it's a little baby in a well like that's and it's always a reference to her. And she'd never heard of it. But then we read through the story, and it's crazy. Like, when, when they finally got the guy down the hole, she's, like, singing cartoon theme songs to herself and her little toy that's down there with her. In her she's 18 months old. Like, this thing was nuts. Oh, wow. There was nonstop uh, news stories about this. It was, like, leading the news. It was, uh, you know. Cutting into other programming with updates. Right? Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was that yeah, type of thing where it was, like, update. Empty. we got to stop this General Hospitals right. episode and <laughs> make sure you know. <laughs> and do you remember? It became a big thing. There's a Michael J. Fox movie where the through line was they would visit the Inquirer oh. post about the little boy who was... Like in an oil well or something. <laughs> oh, it was like a running guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Baby Jessica. Yeah. yeah. Every time we go through these things about what was going right. on then, it just it all yeah. comes flooding yeah. back. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's so neat. Yeah. Well, and I remember that just struck me so much because I was, you know, I was 11 as well, yeah. but it was a kid, right, that right. this was happening to. And right. it was so, and all of the adults around me were glued to the television. So, of course, I was glued to the television. It probably did nothing for my sense of impending doom and anxiety that's followed me my entire <laughs> life, but it probably has nothing to do with that. <laughs> well, Anybody can just fall down a well, you never right, know. Right, right. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys talked about it in the first episode. Uh, I mean, we all were convinced that the Soviet Union was going to blow us up. Oh, like, yes. you know, like our like every movie villain and and you know, any badass movie villain spoke with a Russian accent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because they were the mm-hmm. bad guys. So like, yeah, we always had impending doom. <laughs> they were coming for us. There was a there was a uh, government facility uh, bordering our farm growing up. And uh, it didn't have anything there except a 10-foot fence and razor wire Mm -hmm. and then a slab of concrete that was about an acre wide. Uh, And that was it. And we, I mean, 
the entire town and county knew that that was that was nuclear weapons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know yeah. and so we're just we're, i'm terrified my whole life growing up of course we i didn't think you know it, it was gonna happen it was gonna happen yep. it, i mean the same <laughs> with me in proximity to the sub base in Groton as well as uh, the millstone power plant in in southeastern connecticut it was there was these major big speakers uh that would go off and they would uh test every every wednesday and i still remember some of the like you know this is a message from the emergency broadcast system and it like would just do it and it got ingrained in my brain like this is what's going to happen when the world ends it's going to be this weird disembodied voice coming out of these loudspeakers um did you see the play mr burns greg uh, I did, is, yeah. is that the one you did here up in Seattle? Because so that, good. Yes. Yeah, that that power plant was mentioned in the yes. script. Like that's one of the ones that melted down at the beginning before they all started talking about the. Oh, Simpsons I know. Episodes. I remember getting. I stood up in the theater yeah. and said, "That's where I grew up." <laughs> <laughs> I think I was at that performance. <laughs> you ruined it for me. I ruined it. I was part. It was part of the. You know, it's so funny, and I brought this up before. My upbringing, being born on a military base and growing up on one, was so different in that. Yeah. I didn't have those fears. And I guess I didn't live next to a, a missile silo, though. Right. <laughs> you know, like until I moved to Wyoming for college, I never was near that kind of stuff. I was just near the the human apparatus of destruction. And what was so ironic was right. in Germany, you were told if you're ever in a country that is... Um, uh, fascist run like the DDR at the time, which was still in ex- it was in existence. Right. If you were stopped, you were to ask for a Russian soldier to represent you. Wow! Because wow. there was some kind of understanding where they would they would help you. Right. Whereas a DDR person would just from the the, the programming or education, they would just fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's bizarre. But that's so it was just crazy. weird because you know, like that whole thing about right. oh, See, that's not a lesson I had to learn in right. Olathe, Kansas. The Russians are coming know? wasn't something that I grew up with. It right. was from my perspective, it was like oh, that was that was over long ago. Right. We're just wow. waiting for them to give up. Sure. They're done. <laughs> like that was that's how it was in our in the sphere I was in. Is like that's that ship sailed. They're over. We're looking at other people now. <laughs> Man. I feel like we're learning so many like you know things that are like declassified now. After talking to Jimmy, I'm like, wow, that's it's what not, it was like. It just, right. <laughs> it's not declassified. That could be all in my head. Right. <laughs> it could all be classified. Right. <laughs> I'd like to think, yeah, they only told Jimmy that. I was <laughs> well, getting back to the episode, uh, it is called <laughs> "Code of Honor," written by Catherine Powers and Michael Barron. Uh, Interestingly enough, I think in the first initial script, uh, the notes here say that the Ligonians uh, were written as a reptilioid race. Uh, they were supposed to appear as lizards uh, or, or, or something along those lines. Um, and then, of course, as we meet them, they do not look like that. They are all black people, uh, which is probably where we should start. Uh, so. It's a problematic episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the first things I read, and I, I kind of want to get it out of the way early, is is a lot of the cast members and other people say, well, 
if it had all been white people or uh, a mix of several different uh, races in the cast, then it wouldn't be a problem. And I kind of disagree with that. Like, I, th I think casting comes after costuming in almost everything I've ever done. And these costumes are, you know, colonial era Africa um, uh, caricatures. Like, they're not even based... It's, it's kind of like Aladdin is based on actual Chinese culture. This is based on an African culture that's been taken. Like, I think it started out problematic even before it got to the casting stage. Now I've I've got a question for you, Eric. If it had remained the yeah. uh, the lizard-like aliens without that mm -hmm. costuming, would that have made a difference to you? Do you think? Oh, I think so. But I mean, I, we'll I'd still know. want them to. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, if you take out all vestiges of race, then it's less racist, I assume. Which it uh, wasn't but, because right. it was reptilian, but also yeah. based with samurai. Right. So they right. were exactly. reptilian, but samurai. Sure. So there's right. always. Right. And this is always this has always yeah. been Star Trek's trope, where they take a culture mm -hmm. and they stamp it on an entire planet. Because that's the right. other thing; like right. the whole planet right. is all black, right. and they all dress the same way and all have a coat of honor. And there's one chieftain who rules Who's the planet, the, pla the whole planet, the whole right. planet. He represents <laughs> right. all the people of the planet. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. This is this is kind of a vestige of of where we are with TNG at this particular moment. Like, it's still trying to figure out what it is, and uh, this episode is a very TOS episode. And I, in fact, I think the 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 actual script came from like the lost files from you know it was like a like the brain the the inception of this of this particular episode came from TOS. And and then they then they reworked it, uh, mm. doing who knows what the hell they would have done. And to, you know, to <laughs> to further to further Jimmy's point, if they had used reptiles and still kept everything. And, and to further your point, also Eric, uh, you know, with the costumes, with the sticks, with the you know, with all the goofy tropes that they use, it Star Trek has done a great job over its the course of its history of um, using tropes as allegory to real life America to have America take a look at itself and have the world take a look at itself and understand um, how dangerous its biases are. Um, that's where this premise started, but they never got to the second part where they could actually fix that. You know, because basically, so my summary of this of this episode is that uh, the Enterprise D goes to the hood to get to score some good weed. Um, they go to they go to the Wakanda planet, and then and then the Wakandas come out, and the leader says, "Where the white women at?" And he finds Tasha Yar and takes Tasha Yar, uh, and then some woman with a jerry curl comes out. And they and they fight, and and then when we're done, you know, we we look at look at the the goofy savages like in the very beginning of the episode, Riker and Picard are talking about how they're going to visit the Wakanda planet and how their their these guys' customs are very strange and very unique, and it's. 
but they're still very regal. Like, as as a person who has grown up as a descendant of slaves, I know what that's code for. Like, yeah. I know what that means. Um, so, sure. so like, th- that was one thing, again, as, as, a, as a person who... Uh, is watching it as an adult now, as opposed as a child, as to as a child, um, I can I have the luxury and 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 to say again that America has progressed to a point where I can feel that I have the luxury to say, oh, this is problematic as all hell, um, and it was then and it is now, but eleven year old yeah. me was just happy to see black people in the future, mm-hmm. you know, because because. Sure on you know on during the day because it came on every day i got to watch the flintstones and the jetsons and in the flintstones there were no black people in the past until there were flintstone kids right when they had they they decided to put some black people but then when pebbles and bam bam grew up i guess those all those black people died moved away right right (laughs) and then and then i watched the jetsons and there were no black people in the future so no. at least at right. least there were black people in the future. They were problematic black folks, but mm-hmm. at least they were there, you know? At least there were th- this there were 25 actors of color in an episode who got a check and will continue to get checks when that episode is played. <laughs> even as we even as we, as, even they're as we even as we right checks. they're getting yeah. royalty checks for that. Yeah. And and like we watched it, you know, how many times <laughs> right, <laughs> leading up to this right. episode? We at least got <laughs> 10 streams out of the four of us, five of right. us. Right. But the, you know, I mean that that the, the episode is bad. Um mm. the it's it's mm-hmm. it reeks of TOS, but it doesn't reek of the the same level of uh, care and 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 attention to to really telling a parable story the same way that they did in in a lot of TOS episodes. But they used a lot of the costumes from TOS. They used the sets from TOS. They even used uh, the the camera color from TOS. It was even filmed like it was a TOS where they had uh, a different different uh, like I don't know the I'm not a great director so I don't know the technical <laughs> terms for for uh for the the coloring that they use but if you look at it 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 the palette. Yeah, 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 like yeah, so the yeah, the yeah. color palette that they use and the lenses that they use were very very reminiscent of TOS. Yeah, it was. Tell me if I'm wrong. Was this episode? I mean, I was expecting, half expecting during that big fight scene for the da 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 I was going to get into that. I was going to get into that when we talk about the fights a little bit. But like, this was the first big set piece fight of of this series, and they're clearly going for that kind of thing that you're talking about Kate yeah I think Cicero's got a great point that they were still trying to figure out who they were and it's just intriguing that they had two episodes in a row where they're desperately trying to figure out who they are uh to to and kind of go in different directions there uh with uh the naked time and then and then the code of honor um (laughs) as they're just trying to figure out how to tell these stories and who these characters are going to be and what their place is going to be and how do you separate yourself out from TOS but how do you also maintain that lifeline right. felt and, like they were trying to maintain that lifeline a little too holding on a little too close and, and me, to also pimp out Tasha Yar yes. um, right. you know yeah so like we've we've had Twice. Th- three episodes and besides the pilot the other two episodes involved Tasha Yar 
either getting some or being the object to get some. Yeah. Um, well, at least in the second one, she got it honestly. Like, she really got some real, maybe, like, Android. pure <laughs> direction of loving. Well, but she was also being acted on by an outside force right. that yeah. acted like alcohol, too. So there's some problematic moments Ex- in exactly. that one too, as to whether she had... Right. She's tricked by her friend. Yeah. She's right. tricked into admitting <laughs> she likes the chieftain leader. Right. And then that's yeah, used that, as that some kind of... Like, yeah. yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, I mean, take out all the racist stuff. Right. The show still sucks. Like, if right. you were to make it non-racist, we would still be talking about it being the worst episode in Star Trek history. <laughs> right. Like, it is bad in every way that a show can be bad. There's very little chemistry between uh, uh, Yar and any of anybody, really, in this episode. She doesn't really kind of connect in any way. And, it, it, and right. when she says, oh, yes, I have feelings for him, I don't think anybody... <laughs> on set believe that or watching believe that like everyone's no. like eh, i don't think so i mean putting an actor through that particular thing and you know she didn't have the kind of cachet at this point that she was ready to say you know fuck it i'm out yeah I'm <laughs> like maybe this is part of the reason she did say fuck it i'm yeah, out like yeah. uh, she's been a little vocal about that in the past yeah. and they certainly gave her a much more interesting character when they brought her back right. i know, you right. know i can't wait till uh, we get back. so it's it's a really interesting thing to rewatch this first season and see what a throwaway character they th- seemed to think she was right. And how much I remember thinking how awesome Tasha was when I was eleven. Yeah. Like she was badass. That's what my that's what my kids really latched onto. Is just thought, oh yeah, she's she can kick butt. Like that's that's pretty cool. And you don't get to see that too often when she's you know in a, a person in a uniform that's doing what she's supposed to be doing. Right? You've seen women kick butt by being outsiders and rebels. No, she's following orders and doing what she needs to do and uh, being respected for that. So that's why I think it's 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 odd. But. Before we move on from from uh, I want to just mention one scene because I just rewatched it as before we sat down here, which is at the end after they had this big reveal that uh, Picard has this nice upper hand moment and he can kind of say like Ah, we got you, uh, you know the uh, Ligonian woman says you're going to be num- my number two and then they just kind of agree to uh, uh, this new w- world order right and uh right there's a new president a there's a new, right there's, yeah there's right. a new president of the planet now right, right. and then right. the character says uh <laughs> right. i'm blanking on his name it is not lutan it's uh the, the new number one hey are you going with uh, it's a peaceful transition of power yeah. is that where we're heading <laughs> I, it looks like <laughs> it at least from 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 what we see here but hagan says you know at least you know, you're you're more uh, technologically advanced than us, but you can't best us in civilized behavior. And I thought right. that one line was like, that's why this is feels off, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. punching up at like you know systemic racism. It's kind of being like, you know, they really are civilized, and it right. feels like <laughs> right. that's yeah. the commentary that we're supposed to take away from this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which feels really, really the wrong. noble right. trope. Right. Well, one of the very first things they say about them before we meet them is they're very close to human, which is just yes. highly problematic. Yes. <laughs> yes. The very yeah. term. Yes. And, that's, yes. and, that's, yeah. and that's sort of right. echoed throughout is sort of the like, oh, right. look at what they've become. Well, and, and you know, and, and we can we can definitely chalk it up to this was a definitely a one-off episode. It was a... You know, by objectively, it was a bad episode. It probably <laughs> the very worst episode of uh, televised Star Trek ever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But a, a thing that struck me yet again, as someone who uh, is watching this now as an adult, I've, I've been going through TNG and, and am almost at the end of season three right now. Um, I want you guys, as you're watching this, the episodes in season one, to find to count what episode you're on when you get to a your first multicultural planet. And um, so, you know, so this is, you know, it's while I'm happy that all of these black actors were able to get work um, and see screen time, even for those of them who were just extras on screen, on screen extras, um, like that is that's great for them. But at the same time, like the casting has been the casting initially for the extras for the one-offs episodes was exceptionally poor um, for the first, the f- at least the first half of the first season, I think. Um, and ironically sure. enough, one of their black regulars on the show wasn't even in this episode. That's right. Michael Dorn. <laughs> yeah. It kind of screams. Uh, yeah. The screams of someone there either thinking to themselves or out loud, you know, we can't have another right. like it's that that whole that whole shit that they talked about in in the uh, Aziz Ansari thing right. you know that that they they think either because it is true for them or because they have no respect for white audiences that white audiences can't tell the difference even with the makeup is what right. it seems to be saying right. by having him not be in the episode well and it Ooh. it skips over the obvious uh, rebuttal of here's another species that is supposedly steeped in honor and uh like Mm. they they cling Mm. to honor as an identity of their species which is questionable that a species a planet has (laughs) one thing you can say is your ethos but anyways the klingons (laughs) do and he's a klingon and that he wouldn't be there to be like hey i understand you got some honor Here's my interpretation on it. Let's talk about this. Right. He's nowhere to be seen. So it's a it's a very big absence. Well, to be fair, when the when the um, what do you call it? When the Vulcans had a disagreement about ethos, they needed to create a whole new species. Right. <laughs> like, right. like they have two opinions, and suddenly it's a whole different you know species of people. You're a Romulan. You're a Romulan. Right. Okay? That's it. That's it. You're one of those mother was states, a aren't you? Right. <laughs> you're trying to pretend, but you're a Romulan. Get out of here. Yeah, looking back, you've kind of <laughs> always been a Romulan, they would say. So oh, uh, there are a lot of smaller moments that I actually really liked in this episode. Um, characters that got a little bit of play in the previous two episodes get a little bit of, uh, um, you know, more... Uh, expression uh wesley crusher we mentioned at the top uh gets to sit at the ops chair he has to sit at ops it's so exciting <laughs> and they were still trying to figure out how they were going to uh clothe him so <laughs> you mentioned it greg but this was they they went through a, a sweater period with him that i am just all for so cuddly they said they it, it worked on uh, the cosby show and so they were just yeah, like we can yeah we can yeah put him in a sweater exactly. now Right, like they, they uh, all they needed was some bugle boy jeans, man. He would have been good to go if he had pegged his jeans, man. He would have yes. been so 80s. Oh man! <clears throat> oh my God! Remember that? Oh, I'm so old. I'm just gonna sit here and go. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Right. Yeah, the, the tight rope. Oh. 
Uh, but I, what I love about Mom that man. moment is, is, is Wesley Crusher, uh, uh, Will Wheaton does such a good job of sitting down at that console and you can, uh, he's actually acting very well where he's like, he's excited yeah. to look at it, but he doesn't want to touch it. And it's, it's, it's in the background. It's like not even the focus of the scene, but that's all I, my eyes were staring at was like, oh, he's like, he's like a kid whose dad said he could go sit in the front seat for a little bit, but don't touch anything. When uh, when Beverly asks to speak about Wesley, it's at the most inopportune time, and there's this <laughs> what moment that Picard has that is just so beautiful uh, because it's the last thing he wants to think about. Um, <laughs> but we do get to see Jean Luc uh, lead an away team on this one, yeah, which is exciting. Yeah. Oh, and that's such a big deal that Troy has to commander uh, Riker yeah. in order to right. make it happen. Right. She's like, um. Commander, and he's, whoa! <laughs> Very formal. Remember, we used to, just like, to do the things. Is, what is she afraid he's gonna do? <laughs> like that, she has to say, "Now, settle down. I'm gonna ask you a question." It's amazing. I feel like that was an inserted scene because, like, we made such a big deal about this in in Farpoint, and then right. the next like episode where we're gonna have an away team, you're gonna just throw the, the captain out there. Like I, I feel like they needed to be like, all right, let's make sure we have some explanation here. Mm. Um, but then we also get to see, uh, uh, Jordy LaForge shave. Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, some, you know, he's using the rhythm method to shave, <laughs> uh, with, with, with an inefficient, with an inefficient razor. Um, and, and not the razor, his homeboy data had, properly had slaved over <laughs> and calibrated um to be the most efficient and then but then jordy says the weirdest thing to me which is that he likes this razor better because it's less efficient i don't know if i understand that like if you're a effectively you know you're a starfleet officer you're a soldier, right? So you've got to be clean shaven. At this point, season one, episode three, Captain Picard is not the type of captain where he would he would appreciate uh, an inefficient, uneven, <laughs> you know, rhythm method shave. So that that <laughs> was re- <laughs> that was really, really, really weird and bizarre to me. Right. I feel I feel like in the in the 80s in particular as as the country got you know especially the white country got a little more conservative again there's this whole and this is again as someone growing up on a farm like all I heard was yearning for earlier times and that's what we're hearing again today mm-hmm. it's the same rhetoric out there right. as always and anytime I see this in sci-fi this whole thing of well but we don't know and and it, it always seems to me, uh, this yearning for a, a less efficient time, this yearning for all that thing. It's, it's a kind of a coded thing about religion. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a coded thing about, Hey, there isn't an explanation for everything. Um, hey, there isn't an answer for everything. It's the same kind of feeling there. And I just expect it from, from Hollywood mass media anymore. Like they need to do a nod to people who are afraid of technology. Like otherwise they feel like they can't sell it. It's like every episode needs to have a Pepperidge Farm remembers. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we're all doing here now, but at the same time. How dare like, you? How dare you? That's uh, you know, I thought the whole razor thing was just a a lazy nod to the trope of we're going to teach you what it's like to be human 
which is something right. that Star Trek loves to do. And in every iteration of Star Trek, they introduce a character that is the fulcrum of this is the non-human and we'll use this character to show you what it's like to be human as they struggle to be human themselves. And it was Jordy saying, you know, humans excel when they're not perfect. Trying to, trying to be perfect makes you less human. So I don't like the shade when it's perfect because then it's too efficient. It makes me robotic. Like to me, I was just like glossed over. I was like, Oh, you're just, this is a lazy way of trying to show me how he's going to, his journey of being human, which he can't do because he's an Android. He's not human. (laughs) He can only be the best Android he can be. He's never going to be human. You should try to be 15%, (laughs) you know, less accurate in your your actions. But that's what he's trying to tell him about the humor though, too. Because the humor comes up in the scene next right. of like he's trying to tell a yeah. joke and he's telling it very efficiently. He's like, right. I will say the words it's that need wonderful. to be said. You're supposed to laugh now. That's yes. My favorite line from Star Trek canon is from Undiscovered Country <laughs> when the Klingon woman says the very word is offensive. When they say we, everyone is deserves humanity. Like, yes, that's right. 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 Data doesn't need to be human. He right. just needs to find himself. <laughs> be, be an android. Don't try to be human. We've, we're always dicks. We fuck it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if he doesn't try to be human, we don't get including the kiddlings. Uh, yes, right. And that's all I want. <laughs> like, best. even now, it's right. all I want. Right. There's always yeah. something cute. Jimmy, you're you're right about Data being that kind of with it and that trope, right? That that this there's always the the non-human or, or almost human. And in, in much the same way, Star Trek does, they cheat in a way that D&D cheats mm. where uh, Spock who was the non-human in TOS mm-hmm. was actually half human right right so uh, and then we've got Worf who is a non-human who who also becomes part of that trope not all human right. but was raised by humans right so all right, right. and right. then you know Belana Torres who is half Klingon half human uh, th- yeah. Even Odo, right. really? Right. Odo, yeah. yeah. He doesn't know his people. He, right. he knows humans. He knows, yeah, to be right. Human. Or yeah, he he knows Cardassians, uh, and then and then right. you know falls falls for the human type tropes. And we always, in if there is a a failing um, of this show or of this series, is this assumption that human is the default and should be the like the moral default in the same way that america looks at whiteness as the moral default as the default for everything um and that there are uh and that any any deviation from that is looked at as abnormal and will find a way to accept it as opposed to it being normal for them and you having a level of understanding of that, that this culture isn't yours, but it is, is just as valid as yours. And that's what we're seeing now with the, uh, the, the dangerousness of American exceptionalism that that we're somehow put up on a pedestal above the rest of the world. And now we're seeing, it be uh, used as a cudgel, you know, and right. not not in a, in a good leading with with example kind of way. Like maybe it was wrong back then, but that's kind of how with the way I thought that the right. Reagan era uh, politics yeah. was supposed to be. Of course, it actually wasn't. We'll get to the Iran Contra 
uh, affair pretty soon uh, in our current events roundups. Um, but but you're right. Like it, it all just stems from this idea that like some and I think some Star Trek shows get into this with the Federation with as a, a, a an analog for the American Empire and how like right. it's been uh, portrayed. Um, and you know they have to get to that point where we're seeing it happen but it's interesting to see the roots of that in this episode yeah for sure yeah. alright well let's get to talking about the fight yeah the, the uh, Federation gets so st- oh let's yeah, no, no. Ooh, can finish we? your thought but then yeah let's, let's, <clears throat> let's hear what you have to say about the fight because I want to make sure we give that some time Oh, I don't think I have anything interesting to say. I just have a thing that occurred to me. I have interesting things to say about the fight. I love that I gave, <laughs> I gave Eric a toy, and he's like, ooh, let me play with that. I want to, I want to talk about that. Yeah, so those weapons. I'm, huh? I'm like a spikes, fan of toys. The spikes. Yeah, I hate the weapons very much. But I love, I love the setup that they had where there was this wall of weapons, and they're like, we're going to choose. And I'm, imagine what you could do with that setup. Like they did that in Zeffirelli's Hamlet. They 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 switched up weapons all the way through. They did that a few years later in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It, it takes you back to Jackie Chan. Several of his movies do that. Even Fred Astaire, like in the in the music shop scene, like whatever is around, and we switch it up. So I'm thinking, oh great, they're gonna switch up to a, a bunch of different kinds of weapons. No, but they choose one. But they choose one that in actuality would be super heavy. So you gotta kind of swing it slow to sell it but then also it kills with barely a touch. So you can't really swing it at all. Uh, And then to block it, you have to block it like steel on steel, which is a weird thing to do when they're plastic. Um, (laughs) So you can't have that sound. Um, So the weapons I think were a super stupid choice, but they're cool looking. Like when I was young, I'm like a big fist of nails. Like it's some weird thing out of Hellraiser. uh, Hellraiser. I love it. What I do love is what they did with the set, what they did with some of the changing of, of some of the things in the set. They got some actors who can move a little bit and they finally move the cameras during the fight which is so important. They've been doing these like long static shots of these little wrestling matches. Like the, the first one she does with, with uh, Lutan's, uh, 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 you know, co, I, I don't remember the character's name, right. um, but mm. the, the guy who ends up number one. Right. Uh, hey, uh, that little fight she has kind of with that, it, the little Aikido throw she's doing looks like, um, <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name? Steven Seagal in Russia. That footage of him like lazily flipping people. Like it's some of the worst footage I've ever seen. But then finally, when when these two characters get at it, they do. They move the cameras. They do quick cuts. They do some things that that really came later with Buffy the Vampire Slayer in terms of um, everything moved. Everything shook. So suddenly the actors are moving twice as fast because the camera's moving at the same time as the actor and everything is easier to storytell that way. I was a little bitter that there was no Jim Cotta. You know. (laughs) Absolutely. They they set up this... They have all that stuff. Correct. This beautiful jungle gym set and they're mostly just bobbing and weaving uh, when I want some revolutions. You want Mandy Patinkin and yes. Carrie Elwes to show I up. I did for like half how they second. set up this set, right? They had that like looking down on the courtyard moment where she's and she's like practicing and doing her things, and then those beams of light go up. Right. I was like, yeah. oh, that, yeah. that felt pretty yeah. well, like uh, exciting to kind of set the table in that way. 
and then they start the fight before you're totally settled on what the implications are. So they get to explore it with you as you explore right. it too, which is nice. And they flat out kill a dude in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sport, just man. murder him. Yeah, <laughs> He just happens to catch the hot potato too. He's like, whoa, right. whoa. here you go, have yeah. it back. Right. And he's fine. Right. And he didn't realize. Oh, he's not Yeah, fine. he didn't realize he was dead until he looked down. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, like when you were a kid, like you... You'd hurt yourself and you thought you hurt yourself. And then you look down and you saw you're bleeding. (laughs) I I hope I sounded like Chewbacca. Um, So, uh, (laughs) but but like, uh, yeah, I I was hoping for some Jim Cotta as well. But I was also hoping that they were going to be playing highlight like they put those they went and put those hands in those things and i thought we were going to get yeah some scooping or we're going to get tron some tron yeah like that would have been awesome yeah like if if that were the deal like let's go i just can't talk enough about how much i hate these weapons i just i think they (laughs) limit the storytelling you can do they limit the like i think with this set you're better off not using weapons than using weapons that have to be slow and can't really contact each other or the actors like it's a really odd choice give them a bow staff of some you know let them right well yeah a sword a knife a staff like those are things that work really well i was just watching candle shoe the other day do you remember this they had two old men oh candle shoe is the best you have 1976 the year of many of our yes um and you have a fight scene at the end of the movie between david niven and Leo McKern, who, if you know these two, like, that's such a weird-ass fight. You know, old old fat man versus old skinny man. They're both 70. And they have, they start out with swords, and then they move to, like, morning stars, and then they move to pole arms. And when they have the pole arms, they're going up the steps and thrusting at each other and then blocking in between the banister stuff and then falling over their own spears that, that they can't go up the steps now because it's between uh, two impediments and that's just so much more creative than what is happening here with this thunder fist thing that they're trying to do for some reason scorpion tail like yeah yeah (laughs) it is the prop discipline was terrible too i do have to say like if, if you're trying to sell the fact that there's lethal poison on the tips of these things they're throwing it around. They just they right. kind of like bobble it yep. a couple of times. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, God, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, what, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, at least have some kitchen awareness. Yeah. Right. Didn't they toss it back to her after the guy got stabbed? Something. Yeah, it was very flippant. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, yes, it wasn't like someone gently and gingerly Amazing. handed this poison, <laughs> you know, metal spike thing to her back to her. Uh, you, you know what it makes me think about is the fact that I don't think they really cared much about this fight. Mm-hmm. That it was like it, it is yeah. is very it's very much billed as Star Trek TNT's first fight, right? But yeah. but from a narrative standpoint, they didn't really care about like all they really wanted to do was get to the part where they killed her beamed her back to the ship so that they so that Picard could have his ta-da moment and and you know and then they could have their tagline of how civilized the you know <laughs> black wakanda planet is so uh, yeah. um you know but like right. i i yeah i i really do think like uh the ds9 documentary what we left behind or or what we found in no what was it called what we do in the shadows uh, 
yeah, no, it's it's it's. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great documentary that I I definitely recommend to everyone, even if I don't know the title. But uh, Stephen Ira Bear talked about a lot uh, about how there was this creative departure from himself and and the people that were running TNG at the time because they had very very different views on people that weren't white men uh and or, or men specifically but but or men in general but but white men more specifically and and um i think some of that like if if you know this to be something that was was an issue and you see these kinds of things you can kind of see where uh, where that may have played out in in some of this stuff because you know the fight was great because it was you know important but I like I yeah I don't know that really it really served the narrative in in any way outside of when it started and or, or more specific, more uh, explicitly how it ended. I'm curious how much the actors are actually given that it's specifically. Um, the two actresses who did it were actually given any actor combatant training um, because right. it it did not look like when they were when they were moving like it didn't look like they were actually given much other than move like this right. and do this like and especially at the beginning when um, when Carol Selman was doing her moving around the set right. I felt right. like she was just left to her own devices like here's your set just we just need a shot of you moving around and kind of like the the whole thing is you're exercising you're getting ready for the big fight right. for that have you seen Jimkata? it's right. like right. like right. and she wasn't trained <laughs> what has amazed me is how often you show up to an actual set or an actual rehearsal for something that has a budget and that's still how they do it kate what were you going to say well, I, I just I know where they cut budget, and that was on the wig, the wig <laughs> that they put on Tasha Yar's uh, stunt double is yes, yes. A, an atrocity. Yes, and it's like, yes. why did they give the most unique haircut to the person that they're going to have to use the stunt double for the most? Right. And it just is like the That's worst wonderful. rug on top of it was, this. It was oh, the David. It was the David Bowie wig from uh, Labyrinth. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's and every uh, time they do that wide shot, it's just right there. It's just underground. Um, so, <laughs> Eric, you said it was almost thirty years ago. Yeah, it was over thirty. Oh God, more than it was a. Right. It was thirty-three. It was Jesus ago. Yes. Oh my God. Exactly. exactly. What have you done? Almost, again, almost, years? almost uh, to the day. It's true. Wow. That is just fascinating. In my head, I just went through this whole thing, too, where I'm like, well, I'm 43, and then realized that I'm 44. Yeah. So, like, none of it's going well for me today. Yeah. <laughs> We're all getting old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, after yeah. talking for a, a while now, we've all come to the conclusion, this is the biggest piece of crap that the Star Trek universe has ever put down, right? Like, this is bar none, number one. Just wait. It's- <laughs> it's pretty bad. Of what it's I've seen, bad. 
I yeah, I yeah. would agree. I, I don't want to put out the that it's the ultimate be all because there's always room for that kind of fight. Somebody could uh, screw it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, I mean, uh, yeah. it is the Star Wars Christmas special. Currently, well, I will also yeah. say it's been like the the thing that is at least commonly referred to in the convention circuit like every single one of them is like that one sucked like if we had a point to one where we where we failed where we didn't right. really have our feet under us uh and 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 didn't have the perhaps moral fortitude to to as a cast to be like hey no we shouldn't do this i think that's why all of them kind of regret it they they didn't have that yet and they didn't have it going back so that's why every single cast member just says that was a racist piece of shit and i want to make sure that we talk for a second about jesse lawrence ferguson well, mm. since we haven't really talked about him much, yeah. this is a guy who had a hell of a career. He just passed away last year. But, you know, I mean, always be remembered for Boys in the Hood. In the hood. You know, always yeah. be remembered for uh, Prince of Darkness. Do you remember those yes. scenes he had, right. the deaths he oh. had in that John Carpenter thing? <laughs> oh, right. my God. Right. What an interesting actor all the way through. And he was loathsome in Boys in the Hood. Boys yes. in the Hood, he was oh, loathsome. Yeah. Like, yes, yes. Loathsome. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yes. One and of the great villains, yeah. Also, so I don't know who else. I mean, I all I know from that from from Lutan is Boys in the Hood because I don't watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm oh, happy sure. to defer over to talking about his career, but I I I, I want to see what everyone's opinion is on these first three episodes because this is our first introduction to the next generation and watching it re-watching it i mean because when i watched it i just loved it i don't even remember if i saw this episode yeah. i certainly didn't think oh this is a racist piece of crap now when i rewatch it i'm like wow <laughs> i don't <Right>. know how <laughs> this show made it because the first one we see a, a a bad guy who ended up being a pretty good bad guy but re-watching him like uh you're not one of the best bad guys the second episode they decided to take all these brand new characters and make them do stuff that we didn't know hedonism like like, hedonism we don't even know you yet and you're trying to show us what they're not like and then episode three is a big racist piece of crap i'm like holy cow it's a miracle this show made it past episode three right yeah yeah they well, I mean, you know, they definitely had the green light, and and uh, again, it's um, the 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 gift and the curse of being able to celebrate uh, um, Jesse Jackson's announce announcement that he was running for president a second time um, is is having having a shared ex- uh, experience and and understanding of our culture our american culture that is unique um in so much that like a lot of things that people are discovering they were already known right to 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 me and to people that look like me to my family to you know they were conversations that we had behind closed doors and 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 the understanding about of who we were as a nation was very, very different and what was acceptable. You know, I mean, we've, we've all watched the John Hughes movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you watch a John Hughes movie right. that you love, that you, right. you know, right. you watch 16 candles today versus right. watching 16 candles, uh, you know, 
back when it when it released when you were 16 mm-hmm. your understanding and your perspective of the things that were happening are is, is vastly different you know and if you if you have children this movie that you loved if you you know if you have any kind of moral fortitude you're probably going to wait a lot longer for them to see it than you saw it when you were a kid because you want to be able to have that conversation with them about how you know what we did oh yeah we used to say the r word a lot and it was kind of okay to really make fun of asian people and you know you know most people only did have one black friend but that was okay they all knew hip-hop and did all this stuff (laughs) you know but like those were the things that people you know certain people were aware of and like it was okay on tv in 87 to have the Enterprise go to the Wakanda planet looking for the good weed, right? <laughs> like, it was, right. you know, like, that was that was okay. And in a couple of episodes, from, you know, a couple of episodes from, from now, it's okay for the Enterprise to go to the hedonism Aryan planet. Like, it, you know, those things are are going to be okay. Right. And they were okay in 87. They were accepted. As, as Eric was saying, there was this this you know subtle as the as the as the country got a little bit more conservative there was these subtle uh dog whistles these 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 tropes that that uh mass media put out for for the folks in kansas that live next to the missile silo (laughs) you know (laughs) well i mean i i I totally i I agree with that they were it was a product of the times and it was uh that doesn't mean it's good or anything like that but just that it was it was Overall, I thought Star Trek The Next Generation and these first episodes notwithstanding did an overall good in, oh, in yeah. for many 100%. people showing, you 100%. know, uh, uh, Jordy LaForge and Worf right. and all of the stories that they delve into, right. uh, I think shaped me and my, you know, belief system perhaps more than my parents and my church did. Right. Like, you know, I, I feel like I got a little bit more understanding about how different cultures worked when you uh approach them as with respect and and as and as and as equals uh and that was through this whole thing but they this this is where they falter they didn't they didn't really kind of know their thesis statement yet right uh in the, in these early episodes uh before i, I throw it to you uh, eric let's go to uh kate and talk about yeah well at these the, this episode but then also the first three and how the hit the hit different in, oh in yeah year. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't remember it like you all said, sitting there and analyzing these pieces, you know, to pieces as I was a, an 11-year-old watching them. I was just so excited to see a woman kicking butt that I didn't realize that there was a problematic storyline uh involved where she had some sort of weird um, you know, Stockholm syndrome with uh <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, I, I I was talking about this with last week's episode with the uh, the problematic storylines. Again, with Tasha, we, we we did put her through the ringer in that first couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, that there are so many problematic things about, you know, let's take Beverly Crusher, who's this incredibly uh, scientific-minded woman, and then let's make her, you know, put her her zipper down a little bit because she's just so hungry for that man you know problematic right but i still love that episode 
there's something about it that just still charms me. And, you know, even though this episode is uh, by far much more problematic and, and when I think about the episodes that are to come, this one still sticks out. There are still those little nuggets like data telling his first joke. Yeah. Right. right? It's buried in there, but it's so precious and beautiful to me. Uh, but it's interesting to look at it now with hindsight and with 2020 eyes and uh, sort of balance out what it was versus what it is. Jimmy, what about you? And then we'll end with, uh, with you, Eric. Well, the episode for me is uh, a big ball of crap. <laughs> it is a, it's a fart in a car. <laughs> the windows rolled up. Uh, everything about it is uh, um, from the plot to the way it expands or how it unfolds. There's never a moment where they caught themselves and said, hold on, this isn't working. They just kind of rolled with it. There are some gems of acting in it where uh, some people did the best they could with the, the garbage they were given. Um, Right. And uh, it, it just it it still it astounds me when I look at it like how did I ever watch another episode? Because I mean, if this came on today, <laughs> I would be like, all right, you're a proud boy. This is obviously <laughs> put out by the Trump administration to make me hate sci-fi. <laughs> like it is so <laughs> so profoundly bad that um, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we had Cicero in here tonight uh, and, and that we could just get this out of our system and maybe move on to something that is, that is, uh, I, I just want to hug it. Like something like, oh, this is what I remember. This is why I loved it. Cause I just feel like I, I've been lying to myself. For so long. <laughs> what do you think, Eric? Um, I, about the first three episodes, I think it's mostly been said. Like, I agree with everything everybody has said about them so far. I, uh, I think it's important when we talk about, you know, things being of their time. Uh, like Cicero says, there were, there were plenty of people back then that knew that this was bad, too. So everything that's of its time, there are people who do understand. And I'm always telling my parents, you know, that they talk about my grandparents or, or uh, you know, some, some of the people who held much more racist views than hopefully I do right now, uh, will, would say some things and they say, well, they're at their time. Like John Brown was around a hundred years before them. Like that's not an excuse. It's, it's ridiculous. It's always has been. And when we talk about then versus now, like in the year 2020 is when they stopped having so many white people voicing characters of various colors on some of the most famous television shows in the world some of the most famous actors in the world that's this year and i think it wouldn't have happened if all the acting except voiceover hadn't shut down like that's still what the industry is and it's important to know that yeah and i think this had good intentions by uh casting as many black people as they did right they, they got they got the work um and i think that might have been all that took to be like let's do it this way and we'll give them african costumes and it'll be great and not right. realizing <laughs> what they were walking into uh and not Something having they'll understand right, right. seraphina <laughs> was so great did you guys see that um so I, yeah i like i i i think that uh you know 
poor re-engaged listeners as as you know I, i'm sure as you're <laughs> listening to this you're probably also saying this this episode was a dumpster fire um but it but it sounds like you know as a whole as a whole we're we're very down on this episode and rightfully so but i but i do think that the franchise and tng is something that we loved and i think once once you guys get to the end of this seven seasons of great talking for you guys <laughs> i think that you will still come out of this even with with much more uh experience much more seasoned eyes and hearts and minds still loving this show because like you said greg the the mission of star trek has always been to uplift humanity it's always been um you know roddenberry's kind of metaphysical uh thoughts of of unification of of all people of 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 humanity that has always kind of uh pervaded through all of all of the permutations of star trek and that's you know and that's what keeps everybody coming back it's what keeps me loving it you know and even even uh you know even your dog when he bites you is still your dog and you still love him even though he made a mistake right um so you know well said problematic phase for for a reason Thank you so much uh, for joining us for this episode, Cicero. Uh, you mentioned Discovery Debrief early on, and I want to just shout out that as well as an inspiration for wanting to start up something like this. You know, listening oh, yeah. to you and that panel talk through each of the uh, episodes of Star Trek Discovery as well as Picard just, you know, made me just love the idea of getting together and talking about stuff. So, you know. Good work, and uh, definitely, if you're interested in, in in deep dives on those series, and the and I haven't yet started watching it uh, for Lower Decks, but you're you're currently doing episodes for that now, right? Yes, yes, we are. We are, oh, we're awesome. uh, the the finale just aired, and uh, this weekend we are going to get together and we're going to finish up our uh, our updates of this that great show. Um, which, yeah, spoiler alert, I'm really really digging. Really, really big. And as I told you over email, that surprised yeah. me. I, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. was immediately turned off by that show. But your your yeah. endorsement of it makes me want to yes. uh, give it a shot. So I haven't tried it yet, but I'm excited. Yeah. Send your send your hate mail to at Stubby on Twitter. <laughs> so, I was just gonna say, <laughs> give, give us. Discovery come back this weekend. Uh, it is uh, yes. Wednesday. The fifteenth, right? Oh yeah, no, you're right. The fifteenth. Yeah. The fifteenth. I'm so glad it's going by Discovery instead of uh, STD. STD? Yeah. (laughs) I love STD. Amazing. So good. Michael Burnham, Spock's never known human sister. It works though. It is. It, works. it is. It is well explained. If you if you watch, I've watched every episode and I love it. Yeah, all right. I love yeah, it. it. Yeah, it is a, a really, really great show. Um, I think uh, everything that they've been doing so far has been pretty good. Um, you know, so, so what do you think about the way they've portrayed the the not portrayed but the physical embodiment of the the Klingons, the way they <laughs> physically look? So they it was it was very very off putting at first. But then I got used to it, and then I and I really learned to appreciate it because it's such, it's much more intricate than the old Klingons. So, you know, first, oh, right. the first Klingons were you know Humans. guys with mustaches, right? They were human, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the second set of Klingons was just really bad 
you know, prosthetics. Uh, and and now we've got some much better prosthetics. I, I love um, everything it, except for the teeth. The teeth is terrible. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're like... Incisors, they went too, we should call yeah, they, yeah, they went they went way too, like, monstery on, on that. Right. Um, but it does make it sound awesome when they speak Klingon. <laughs> you think the teeth do yeah. that? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they can't move their mouths. They got the stupid teeth yeah. in there. It's so open. Yeah. It's got to be yeah. open and gutter yeah. or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All well, right. you mentioned your uh, your Twitter handle, but go ahead and say it again and where people can find out about uh, Discovery Debrief. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. At, at Stubby Stan on Twitter and actually all social media platforms, S-T-U-B-B-Y-S-T-A-N. Uh, and you can find Discovery Debrief at D-S-C Debrief. That's awesome. On Twitter. Go watch. I Now I need to go uh, start with Lower Decks and start uh, listening to those episodes uh, after just, I hear them. Yeah. It's the best just, way to... Yeah, just just give it give it some time. Give it three episodes and then, you know, 30 minutes. Less than 30 minutes, actually. Always good advice. Awesome. Uh, Kate, how can people find out about what you're doing? Uh, you can send a crow due <laughs> west. Uh, no, I am at Jaegerlicious on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's right. Uh, and I let you figure out how to spell that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I am almost never on social media, so I'm, I'll be your ghost. So delicious. I like that. Jimmy, what about you? Uh, you can find me at the Jimmy G on uh, Twitter. Uh, and I'm almost 50. I don't give a fuck about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see what I'm doing, you can hit the Insta and see all the beer pictures I put up there. There you go. Nice. That's about all I do. And Eric, you fall down? Yeah, you can find me rage tweeting or posting pictures of baked goods at Eric Falls Down on the Twitter or the Instagram. Excellent. Yes, and let me tell you, if you're lucky... In your life, you will get a red pepper loaf from Eric Graden. Absolutely divine. The red pepper bread. I haven't done that Absolutely one in a while. I'll have to bring that back. Divine. I'm <laughs> waiting for my loaf. <laughs> you make good loaves. We can make this happen, everybody. It's going to be harder for you, Cicero, not being up in the same general yeah. vicinity as the yeah, rest of well, us. Yeah, well, you know, you can express it over. There's a company out there that's really, Absolutely. really known for shipping things really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I am at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. If you want to find out about when we're going to drop our next episode on Reengage, it is on Instagram, Reengage TNG, and the same on Twitter. So follow us there and you will get all the latest updates for what's happening with us. Thank you so much for listening to this discussion of Code of Honor. And we will be back next week talking about the next episode which I should probably just call it episode four. It is the last outpost, and it has the introduction to the Ferengi, which we ha have not yet seen. Ooh, yes. Ferengi. Another filed tooth people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can talk a little bit about <laughs> the Ferengi along the same lines as this next week. Right. There is a lot to get into. Very good dancers. Yes. Yes. Good movers. <laughs> oh They're goodness. good movers. Uh, Cicero, you are always welcome to come back and guest with us oh, uh, and talk about whatever episode uh, is tickling your fancy or just let us know. Uh, Thank you very it's much. It's always a joy uh, to speak I, with you about I very things. much enjoyed myself. 
Thanks for being with us on the bridge for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek shenanigans. Follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Insta. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down on Twitter and Insta. Jimmy G is, of course, at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry. At Krista from Glee on Twitter and Krista.Curry on Instagram. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo underscore 97 on Twitter, or you can find her at Mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for the saucer section to re-engage. Re-engage.